Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I want to be relevant. I want to be relevant in in preaching the gospel and relevant to our times. God was the same. We heard it this morning. God was the same in 1920 as he is today. But we're dealing with new things and new issues. And I want to be relevant. I'm not preaching to a 1920. I'm preaching to a 2021 crowd. And so I want to be very relevant. The thing about the Bible is that the Bible is relevant all the time. Its messages are often hidden and require digging out. But sometimes they're expressly clear. And the Lord gives us things in Scripture that we need to learn by it. I'm going to the book of Jude today. Verse 7. The book of Jude Verse 7. Didn't I preach from Jude Tuesday night? I'm thinking, oh, wow, we've been here. But Jude, verse 7. Praise God. I hear leaves turning, and I like that, so uh, I want to make sure you're there. You know, this is a courtesy. You can bring your own Bible. Amen. Praise God. Jude 1 and seven even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh look at this are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire I want to talk to you today about three views of Sodom three views of Sodom. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. The church, Lord Jesus, is standing in a stronger place than what we were at the beginning of last year. Our faith is deeper. Many among us, God, are stronger. Lord, and I pray that each and every one, God, that we minister to, that is a part of this ministry, both here and online, God, that there would be a strengthening of the Holy Ghost on their life. And though we live in perilous times, Lord, you've always had a church that can stand up to persecution. You've had a church, Lord, that will deal with famine, distress, can deal with these things, Lord. And we thank you, God, for your people and for your church. God, victory is in your name, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Welcome to all of our guests that are here today, to those watching online. Thank you for being here. I want to talk to you about three views of Sodom. 
The writer of Jude says that Sodom and Gomorrah are set forth as an example. Set forth as an example. DC Comics created a fictitious cubed shape world where Superman's opposite lived. Everything is opposite in Bizarro Land. Beauty is hate. Ugliness is held in high regard. It is a crime to make anything perfect in Bizarro World. Trash collectors bring garbage to homes. Girls play, play football and boys play hopscotch. Bizarro World. Plant People plant weeds instead of flowers. 2020 seemed like the revelation of Bizarro World. Where things that were normally right side up or upside down are now strange and crazy. I went back through just a few things that I thought in my mind is that I remember that during this whole bizarre time, that the members of the Birmingham Board of Education abruptly terminated a church's lease because the pastor liked, not commented, simply liked a tweet that they did not approve of. Who would ever thought that the headline would read, I have a girl brain but a boy's body? That's bizarre. That's bizarre. Virginia kindergartens are to read, kindergartners are to read transgender stories. I have on good authority that France said they were not to use words like mother, father. But just recently our, our Congress voted to say the same thing. We're not going to use mother, father. We're not going to use words that are in their minds out of order. There is a, a, a whole movement called the queering of the Bible. College classes that are called the queering of the Bible to destabilize the long-held biblical views on gender and sexual, sexuality and transgender ideas. I say... I heard a man in our land say, Amen. And a woman. Bizarro world. The first month of January begins to look like more of the same of 2020. Our nation right now is in a state of confusion, a state of confusion, pain, and desperation. While bizarro is strange science fiction, the reality of our present day is the crisis before us is the avalanche of anti-Christian culture. The twin cities of Sodom and Marah were very much like our present day, godless in living, playing out their lifestyle as they wish. The culture of this present time, the prevailing mindset of this present age is seen in the story of Sodom and its surrounding characters. Sodom has long been depicted as the city of gross wickedness, perversion, and judgment of God. 
I got a book back in the, in the late 90s uh, written by Judge Robert Bork who wrote on the decline of the American morality. He wrote the book and titled it Slouching Towards Gomorrah. It's a startling book. It's a sad book. But the real thing is that we are no longer slouching towards Gomorrah. We are there. So the Lord said in his word, even as Sodom and Gomorrah are set forth as an example, we need to learn from what God has done in time past. Sodom is, is, is connected with Gomorrah and also the cities of the plains. Sodom means a burning and Gomorrah means a submersion. The story of Sodom is well known in our world today, but it is a warning and a lesson that we often neglect and ignore. Look at what Sodom was. It was depicted in Ezekiel's writings and declared to us the picture of Sodom. It wasn't that Sodom was just about those that were wrapped up in homosexuality. They were. But rather, look at what Ezekiel depicts Sodom, and Sodom as. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy and they were haughty and committed abominations before me therefore I took them away as I saw good we have a view of God today that he's all mercy and grace and love and he is but he is also a God of order justice and he's a God of wrath and judgment. And we can't just simply play around with the world and say, it's all going to be okay, everything's going to work out, and then shake our fist at God and denounce him. There is a move today to want to change the Bible by simply taking out one book, and that's the book of Romans. Why take out the book of Romans? Because it's in chapter 1 that God used and anointed Paul to write about the time that we're living in. Amen. My thought is, why not just... Just announce the whole book. Stop trying to fool with it to change it. But they know if they change it, they can draw those who say they are Christians closer and closer in. Here's the worldview without God. An absence of generosity. And the, the lack of, of helping poor and needy, the absence of prayer, pride and abundance of idleness, the absence of self-control, fullness of bread, carelessness and at ease, abomination on every hand. Amen. They were a prosperous city. I want to tell you when America and any nation is, is suffering with issues and suffering with pain and, and heartache and, and you go back to the Great Depression, we think we've got it bad. My mom and dad could tell some stories about the Great Depression and what they went through and how they suffered. But you know what they did? They fell on their face before God and many revivals begin to come out of that desperation. But America is so wealthy and so blessed and so prosperous now that we have given ourselves to our own identity of God. We've created our own identity of who God is. We say we're going to believe what we want to believe. 
I want to tell you today, unless we hold on to this, we will be shifted into other doctrines. We will be shifted into ideas that are anti-Christ. When you think of the story of Lot, you think of how, uh, how that, or the story of Sodom, how Lot and Abraham played a part of this story. The story of Lot, amen, and the story of Abraham shows us how views are made of Sodom. It was Uncle Abraham that took his nephew with him, Lot, from Ur the Chaldees and set apart their families to seek the Lord and to follow after the Lord. God prospered them both. And there came a moment in Genesis 13 where Lot and Abraham had to separate themselves. Look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and behold the plain of Jordan and there was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt thou comest unto Zor then Lot look at this Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and separated themselves the one from another Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. His view of Sodom was that's enticing. That looks good. What could be wrong with that if it looks so good? What could be wrong with that if they're so successful? What can be wrong with their prosperity? Ultimately, he went from pitching his tent towards Sodom to being a full-fledged citizen of Sodom. Over the period of time, the next chapter you begin to read from chapter 13 to chapter 14, there were kings that invaded Sodom and they came and they took the king of Sodom out and they took a a lot of the people and their possessions out, including Lot. They captured Abraham's nephew, Lot. And so Abraham goes and, and rescues Lot, rescues Sodom. Man, that's a love, isn't it? A lot of us would say, you make your bed, sleep in that. But Lot was loved by Abraham. My question is, why did Lot go back to Sodom? There was an enticement to him to go back to Sodom. We find that Abraham went to Melchizedek and had church with communion and tithe. Lot went back to Sodom. Abraham had worship. Lot went back to Sodom. In chapter 15, God reveals himself in a complete way and reaffirms the promise to Abraham. Lot goes back to Sodom. More than 15 years elapsed between chapter 15 and 17. In chapter 15, God ratifies the promise and covenant to Abraham. In chapter 17, he confirms the covenant to Abraham. Lot's living in Sodom. Lot not only is living in Sodom, he became an official sitting at the gate of Sodom. Second Peter calls Lot just and righteous. It appears that Lot did not participate in the perversions of Sodom. That Lot did not participate in their activities, but rather became politically active 
He became a leader in Sodom sitting in the gate. Because when you're sitting in the gate, that phrase means that you are a person of position. No doubt sitting on some kind of council. Lot was said to be just. Lot was said to be righteous. I see Lot as an activist. I see Lot as I'm changing the city. I'm going to make a difference. I'll vote in this way and I'll push this agenda and we're going to be all right. I want to tell you, politics won't save us. Amen. And I believe in voting. And I believe in voting my biblical uh, uh, conscience. I believe in all that. But my Messiah is not Trump. My Messiah is not Biden, nor Congress, nor Senate. Amen. And right now, it looks very different than perhaps we may have liked. I want to tell you, and I state this as Tim Gill, not a prophetic word. We are going to see an attack on Christian liberties like never before. There is going to be a, an attempt to shut down the church like never before. Why? It's the working of the Antichrist behind the scenes so you've got some players here you've got Lot and his family and Abraham and his family and you see that God is looking over this mess and seeing what he's going to do pick up the story in Genesis chapter 18 if you would please Genesis 18 and verse 1 and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Have you ever seen those old movies about the Arabians that live in the dark-haired tents? And they got their flap open of one of the tents, and that's their, that's their, that's their porch. Abraham's sitting in the porch. He's enjoying the breeze of the cool of the day. Up walk three men. I'm just going to paraphrase from this passage. You can look it up and read it later. Up comes to him three men, and he recognizes something in them, and then his Palestinian or Eastern hospitality sets in. Because if you have a guest that comes to your tent or comes to your home, you get them a meal. You wash their feet. You welcome them and you give them refreshing. That is a common thing even today. And so Abraham says, come in. I want to give you a meal. I'll refresh you. And so he gets them a meal. He gets them a, a, a good calf. He got everything together. He's got a good meal for them. He washes their feet and begins to sit down and eat with them. And the, and the one who is actually the theophany of God, the one who is the Lord, begins to speak to him and he said Sarah and you are going to have a baby 100 year old and 90 year old woman and you know what Sarah did come on what she do she was listening <laughs> what you doing listening there old Sarah but she's eavesdropping in on the conversation. And the Lord says to Abraham, you're going to have a, I've been promising you, I've got a covenant with you, with your seed. Now, Ishmael's not the one, but I want to tell you, Sarah is going to have a baby. And so she laughs. You'd laugh too. <laughs> and so Sarah hears this. And laughs, and the Lord says to Abraham, why'd she laugh? 
I didn't think that she would continue laughing after that. But here we find that Abraham is in his home, in with his family, God speaking to him, renewing his covenant, telling him what's going to happen. Amen. And so here they are, they arrived, they washed his feet, the promise is ongoing, you're going to have a child, go ahead and laugh, you might as well name the boy laughter because that's what they did. Isaac means laughter. The promise is going to happen to you, you're old, but Sarah will have a son, Amen. And God will bless you. And then somewhere along the meal, the two men rose up thence. Genesis 18 and 16. And the two men rose up thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham will surely be a great and mighty nation. And all the nation of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which is spoken of him and the Lord said look at this because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry which is come unto me and if not I will know and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom but Abraham stood yet before the Lord amen so the Lord said I'm going to warn Abraham because he is a man of promise he's a person of promise I'm going to warn him because I can trust he's going to train his descendants I'm going to warn him because of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. I want to tell you, let me just walk through this story with you. Uh, if I could paint a picture, if, you've, if, if you could see with me these two men walking into Sodom, walking past the gate where, where Lot is sitting in council, sitting as a leader. He is, he's, he's different, but he's, he's there and he's a part of it. And so Lot sees them and he says, I'm going to be hospitable to you. Come to my house and I'll serve a meal to you. I'm going to extend the same eastern courtesy. And so he brings him to his house. And then all of a sudden outside the house door, there is a gathering. What is it a gathering of? It is a gathering of mad homosexuals that want to get to the men that came to Lot's house to, uh, uh, to sodomize them, to uh, do despicable things to them. And here is the picture in my mind. When we look at our world today and the foaming at the mouth, and the anger and the hostility with which the LGBTQ plus is presenting themselves, not all of them, but the ones that are presenting themselves with such madness and such hatred. Amen. They're pressing on the door of Lot. They're pressing on his door saying, open the door. What does that mean? Agree with us. Give to us these men and agree with us. Accept us what we're doing. Accept what we are saying. Amen. This is the pressure of the age that we must accept how that the Bible says one thing, but society says another. Yeah, 
Why is it that the Lord said he was going to destroy Sodom? The King James Version says, because the cry of them is waxed before the Lord. The NSA, the National Standard, American Standard Version says, because their outcry has become so great before the Lord. The ESV says, because the outcry against the people has become great before the Lord. The paraphrase of the message put it like this. It makes it very clear why God is coming to destroy Sodom. The outcries of the victims here to God are deafening. I wonder what the millions and millions, some 40 plus million aborted babies sound like to the ears of God. I wonder what this madness sounds like to the ear of God. Make no mistake, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but I want to tell you, the judgment of God, if not already here, is coming to our world. We are looking towards the end time with Jews. I have never thought I would ever see. Amen. I see the end is approaching. The question is, how will we see it? How will we see it? So Lot is vexed by what is going on. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. 2 Peter 2 and 4. The Bible says, If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them out down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the world, O world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly and delivered just lot. Listen to this. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For the righteous man dwelling among them in seeing hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot had something going for him. He was still vexed by what was happening around him. The moment you quit being vexed by what you see and vexed in your spirit, hurt and, and, and disgusted and so uh, uh, overwhelmed by what you see is a moment that you need to find a place of repentance. The moment you're watching something and you see a blatant anti-God, anti-Christ, immoral act going on and it doesn't make you want to change the channel is the moment you better hit the altar to prayer. The moment that you see a newscast and there isn't something inside of you that says oh God have mercy on our nation is the moment we need to be concerned about that we are no longer just simply living in Sodom but now we have taken on Sodom's mentality you see in Lot's life being a leader didn't change anything oh no it just merely vexed him we don't have one record of Lot impacting one person in Sodom not one record amen there's not one record that 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 anyone came out not one record of a of an altar in Sodom the picture here presented by Peter is that Lot is being he's being uh, continually worn down exhausted amen and distressed because of this Lot was vexed I want to tell you, 
It's no time to stop praying with family. There's no time to getting comfortable in the world. There's no time today for ignoring the wickedness around us. Amen. There's no time to let your children get attached to the world. Amen. You will find that Lot's daughters were both engaged at this time to men of Sodom. Who are you going to go find? What are you going to find in this world? Oh, but there's another view I want to show you. And that's the view of back up on the hill in, in Mamre is a man by Abraham. And you know what? When Abraham hears of the destruction of Sodom, he would have said like some folks, good for him. But he didn't. He said, God, if you would find 50 people righteous in that city, would you save it? And the Lord said, yes, I will. And so Abraham wanted to reshuffle his number. And he went down from 40, down to 40, down to 30, all the way down to 10. And he said, Lord, if you find 10 righteous people, will you salvage them? I want to tell you, here's the view that Abraham had. It was a view of intercession for his world. It was a view a prayer for his world it was a view of compassion for his world but it also was a view that said I have a covenant I've met with the Lord he showed up I've had his presence I've had revival because that is Abraham's view Abraham had a covenant, he had a promise, and he had faith, but he also interceded. He also interceded. Amen. The third view that I want to present to you is the view of Lot's wife. Lot's wife. We find that when Lot was taken out, the angels had to physically thrust Lot and his his two daughters and his wife out. And the commandment was, don't look back. Don't look back. Amen. But on the way out, as they're fleeing the city, as the as the fire and brimstone begins to fall, you will find that Lot's wife had such an attachment to the past and such an attachment to the world that instead of being like Lot and getting out of there and not looking back, she turned her head and she looked back. Here's the view that sadly too many have today of Sodom and this world. So attached, so attached to entertainment, so attached to ideas, so attached to believe everything that comes across the screen so attached to the concepts of this world but I want to tell you amen she may have just tried to be nostalgic but what it used to be is not where we're going back we're going to go forward amen in this hour Lot's wife was too in love with Sodom too attached the Bible says Lot love not the world neither the things of the world. Amen. Don't get so attached. Okay. I, I, I tried to preach my heart to you. I, I, I didn't know if I was going to go down this road or not. But I am. Let's play a game. What if? Will you play a game with me? Maybe I got some of y'all's attention. What if? What if in this next four years they remove the tax-exempt status of a church? What if? That's bad. What if? We'll still have church. We'll find a way to have church because that's what the book says. What if they tell us 
You can no longer preach against sin. What if? What if there is a law that says pastors can no longer preach against homosexuality? What if? Bishop answered the question. They said, don't preach anymore in that name. They did. They probably asked the question, what if? Well, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. Do you know what has happened to our, our religious world today? What has happened to our religious world, and you can go from denomination to denomination. You can go start at the uh, Council of Churches, the World Council of Churches. You can go start with some denominations that are as dead as the floor is because they quit believing what they had even preached themselves. They quit believing it. The Roman Catholic Church does not even believe what it preaches. 75% of Roman Catholics do not practice the, the, the laws and the tenets of the Roman Catholic Church. No wonder, no wonder there's deadness. In, in, in our world today, you can go down and not to name different names, but when you see people embracing things that are against the Bible, they're simply saying, I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. I want to say, where do you stop? then what's next what if bestiality becomes legal what if three people uh, being married four people five six seven people become legal and married and if you don't agree with that then you can't preach against it what if what if all of a sudden they tell us that that we can't meet in church buildings what if i want to tell you what we're going to keep on preaching we'll find a way we'll discover what god god has for us and we'll find a way the church will be the church what if there's going to be I'll tell you what will happen is there will be revival every time in the book of Acts they persecuted the church and they killed their leaders and they tried their best to keep them quiet you know what what if they kept on preaching what if Sodom takes over we just keep on believing amen God's still the healer it hasn't changed that Acts 2.38 is still the plan of salvation it hasn't changed that amen what if what if if they say uh, uh, that we're going to, to uh, let's take it to the furthest stream. extreme. If you don't do this, if you don't sign this, we're going to prison you. We're going to imprison you. We're going to put you in jail. What if? I read the Bible about a Paul and Silas that was put in jail for a what if moment. Amen. But it's because they believed in the God that they served. Amen. If I have to go to jail, I'm going to be all right, Brother Mike. God's going to be there. What if they kill you well they killed the apostles amen what if they persecute you well what if i'll tell you what if peter peter wrote peter wrote count it all joy count it all joy rejoice hey not there's not a one of us that wants to face that issues go all the way down to what if they kill you dead well then i've just stepped into the glory world hallelujah hallelujah so when we look at this world we can bemoan it yes it's horrible and despicable and we can even try to fix it on the inside but that's not the way how do you fix it from the outside in a way of intercession and from a way of prayer this is spiritual warfare that we're dealing with not political warfare this is spirits that are at work today amen pulling upon the minds of people deceiving and deceiving and deceiving. So how are we going to fight? 
How are we going to deal? How are we going to view? I want to take Abraham's view as you're standing right now. I want to take Abraham's view. I want to take Abraham's view. And that is, I'm going to have a meeting with my Lord. <laughs> Sodom's got his stuff going on, but I'm going to have a meeting with my Lord. I'm going to have prayer with him. I'm going to have communion with him. I'm going to have fellowship in his presence. I'm going to say without reservation, I'm a child of promise. I'm a child of the covenant. I'm a child of his power and blessings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we have had some easy times in our world. We have had some easy times. Oh, and maybe hard times are coming. I don't know. I don't want them to come. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to have to deal with that. But I will tell you this. I want to be prepared for it. I want to be ready for it. So I view like Abraham. Not Lot, but Abraham. Not Lot's wife, but Abraham. So I want to ask you today. Are you too attached to intercede? Are you too attached to be able to stand aside and pray? Have mercy, Lord. He didn't pray for judgment. He prayed for mercy. Amen. It is something that those that have a view of compassion, like Abraham, Lord, have mercy. God, I am not praying for your judgment upon those, oh God, that have shaken their fist to your face. I pray for mercy. I pray for mercy. I pray you touch their spirits. I pray, Lord, for healing. We get that from our Lord. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, would you help them? Would you help them today? Would you help them today? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.